0: I'm going to talk about dynamic equilibrium today and what it has to do with our faith. By now, most of you know that I'm a teacher. Today's message is going to focus on science, among other things. I'll try to explain a few science items and terms to you with a unique application to the Gospel account today. It'll all come together and make sense eventually. Just give me grace. (laughs) we begin a Gospel account in Luke 7, verse 11... The only time Jesus ever went to a funeral. Luke seven eleven. You can probably guess what happened. It says, Now it happened the day after healing the Roman centurion's servant that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. So as we take a look at this account of Jesus, we see that people and he entered into a city. He didn't just hang out at the temple and say, Jesus is in town. He's, only, he's playing for three nights, come out tonight. He got involved in people's lives. He went into the city. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went into the city. He got involved in people's lives. If we're truly going to follow Jesus, then we need to do the same. Some of these big churches that get too involved in making everything at church and just wanting people to come, and the need is out there. And so, yes, we do things here, we put on stuff here, but we're we're called to go out into the world and to get involved in people's lives. We must be involved with them. This only happens when we're motivated more by compassion than by judgment. Of course, we're going to meet people who are different than us, but the fact that they're different should propel us to share Jesus with them, not judge them because they don't have Jesus. Thus, we need to get involved with people. Whether that means getting involved in the Rotary Club or a, a, a local nonprofit in the area or just getting involved with people. We, that's, that's what we're called to be, not just stay in the church, but to get involved in people's lives. Jesus models this emphasis and this passion and he brings his disciples along with him as well as a large crowd. Luke 7, verse 12. And when Jesus came near the gate of the city, Behold, a dead man was being carried out, their only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. Okay, When he came near the gate, that's what I want to focus on. Throughout the Bible, there are many occurrences that happen at the gate, at the point of entrance or the point of exit. When God's angels arrived in Sodom, Lot was sitting at the gate. When Boaz went to the town gate to settle legal matters regarding his marriage with Ruth, it was at the gate. King David stood by the gate when giving last-minute instructions to his army before their fight against Absalom. After Absalom's death, David returned to his place at the gate, and the people came to him. When the book of Proverbs speaks of a virtuous woman, it declares that the work of her own hands will bring her praise at the city gate. In fact, when Jesus returns, I talked about this a few weeks ago, but when Jesus returns, we're told that he will enter the holy city through a gate. Does anybody remember which gate it is? The east gate. Yeah, that's when he he comes back. So there's a lot of stuff the Bible talks about a gate and these transactions that happen at the gates. Comparatively, I will show you today that one of the determining factors of our success in our Christian walk is how we handle transactions at the gates. It's really no coincidence that our bodies are designed with gates in mind, even down to the most basic building blocks of our body, which are our cells. The most common gate-like transaction with cells is a process called osmosis. Our cells are covered with a protective covering called our cells. Cell membrane, yep, yep. So our cells have a cell membrane. It's It's a protective covering that goes around the cells. The cell membrane is selectively permeable. It'll eventually get easier to understand. The cell membrane is selectively permeable, which means only the necessary materials are let into the cell, and the unwanted material is pushed out of the cell, or the waste is let out. In effect, it is nature's caller ID. Right? You know, you call her ID, you can screen who's calling, you don't got to answer it. Well, the, the cell membrane allows what, the good stuff to come in, and it doesn't answer the call when the bad stuff's there. It can push the bad stuff out. Okay? So to go a little deeper into science, let me try to explain osmosis. Um, osmosis can be explained by when there's pure water in a cell and there's maybe salt water next to it or a contaminated uh, substance next to the cell the membrane will push its water outside the cell to try to diffuse the salt water around to stabilize the environment. Okay, It doesn't let the bad stuff of the, of the environment come into the cell, but it pushes its own pure water out of the cell to stabilize the environment. If you've ever wondered why salt makes you thirsty, it's because when you have salt, and there's salt water in your body, your cells release the water to stabilize the environment. The problem is, if your cells stay in salt water for too long they become brittle and they dry up okay so assuming that the membrane does not break this flow will finally stop when the pressure is the same on both sides when inside the cell is the same pressure as on the outside and it and it stops flowing out that balance is called dynamic equilibrium it means balance okay when like I said, the problem is if the cells are in an environment that's too dangerous or too long, they become brittle and dry, and they don't work as well as they should. That's why your skin gets dry and flaky when you don't fill it back up with enough water to recuperate and return to its natural state. Through this gate like process of osmosis, our very cells, the part how God created us, our very cells are constantly seeking to create health through balance. We don't even realize the things that God does to create balance in our lives. So what's that have to do with us? Well, spiritually we're built the same way. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit insulates us from the world. That's why we talk about how can a missionary live in horrible conditions where he's threatening against his life and still do it with great joy. Because the Holy Spirit insulates that person to still walk in the spirit and power and love of God in the most difficult environments to do. And the Holy Spirit does that for us as well. He insulates us. He does not isolate us. He wants us to get involved with the world, but He insulates us so we almost like we walk in a bubble of the Holy Spirit filling fill us when we go into the world to share Jesus. John seven thirty eight illustrates this. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Maybe you thought this before that, If I want Jesus, how come He's not pouring more into me? How come it's always out of me? It's because the Spirit already lives inside of you. And so what the Spirit does to allow you to balance yourself in the world is out of your heart He will flow spirits of living water to balance the environment around you. Whenever we are surrounded by an impure water source, or in other words, when we encounter an environment that brings stress or some type of threat to our overall health, we exude or we give out this living water into our immediate environment in order to retain this balance. These living waters flow through us and around us and they strengthen us. They lift us up to refresh us and they refresh those around us in our environment. However, when we stay submerged in an environment for too long with constant stress and all we're doing is giving out, just like ourselves, We become dry. We dry out. We become brittle and we lose our strength and our patience. We give in to temptation and forfeit our spiritual health. So what are we to do? We can't avoid stress. We're sure to encounter more than our share of trials and offense and grief and stress. The answer is that we cannot control our external environment, but we can fill our immediate environment, with more of God's presence. Every time we pray, every time we give thanks to God, especially in a difficult time, thank you, God. Every time we praise Him, not just conditionally because of something that's happening, but we praise Him unconditionally, that, God, even though I'm going against all this stuff, I thank You that You're still on the throne. God, I thank that You brought me here. And I don't know what's going on yet, God, but I trust You. When we pray pray for to him and when we thank him and when we praise him when we worship him when we read or meditate on his word we create a pool of pure living water that surrounds us and insulates us from the world and when we don't do that then we stop getting involved in people's lives it's very easy to be negative today because the climate is negative the culture is negative the media is negative but If we spend time with God, then God says, now that I've insulated, you go out. I shared with you before that Nancy and I were at a wedding yesterday at Drummond Island. It was in a chapel in the woods. So we thought it would be much like the chapel in the mason tract, like a beautiful chapel. No, there was no building. It was in the woods on Drummond Island. Everybody showed up to the wedding in snowmobile suits. It was beautiful, but it was cold unless you were insulated from the cold. And so we were all dressed up and decked out and have people with hats on and gloves and, and uh, beautiful. But we had to be insulated. But once they were, you can still go out in the cold. And that's what God's saying is, if you take time to pray and to read the Bible and to spend time praising and serving others, God will insulate you by the Holy Spirit so that you can go out, not just so that you can stay inside, but so that you can go out and be part of people's lives and change them and serve them unconditionally and bring some light into this world of darkness. Every time we spend time with God, we create a pool of pure living water that surrounds us, insulating us from the world and giving us a constant source of water to draw from. An active connection and communion with God ensures that we have healthy gate transactions and are able to get the most out of life. With this understanding, let us continue. Luke 7, verse 12. And when Jesus came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother, she was a widow, and a large crowd of the city was with her. They were carrying out a dead man passing through the gates. Understand that more than just a dead man was being carried out away from the city. In addition, they were carrying out all of their hope that was lost. They were carrying out their joy that was gone. It was now grief. They were carrying out all of their peace. This woman was basically surrounded by grief. She had already lost her husband. And now her only son. She had nothing left to give out. You know what I'm talking about. When you give out too much, you have nothing left. That's where she was. It was her son. It was her only hope. Luke 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. Notice it says that the Lord saw her, not the dead man. Jesus is always drawn by compassion. He is your answer if you allow him to come to you. The compassion of Jesus is the valve by which healing and blessing flows. Jesus doesn't heal out of obligation or just because it's God's will. He heals because He loves us and He cares for us. He blesses us because He loves us. You know this verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world. That's the reason first. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the love of God towards His people that opens the floodgates. All we need to do is recognize it and be open to Jesus coming into our lives and begin to seek His pure water. Therefore, when the woman passed by Jesus during this funeral procession, Jesus saw her and then He quieted her and told her not to weep. He knew she had just lost everything. that, and she, He knew that she had been submerged, so to say, in the waters of grief for too long. She needed a fresh flow of the living water to fill her up. No matter how strong a person is, we can all only take so much. Jesus knew this, and so He came directly to her. Jesus always knows where each one of us is at. He knows that He knows what we've been through. He knows what we're up against. He knows the hearts that are open for Him and are open for His touch. Luke 7, 14. Then Jesus came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried Him stood still. And He said, young man, I say to you, arise. He touched the coffin. He didn't say stop or he didn't ask them to stop. He didn't even stand in their way and refuse to move. He simply came and touched the coffin. And the great part is they stopped. Those who carried the dead man stood still. Too many people fail to feel the touch of God because they never stand still. They just continue in their busyness or their misery. They don't wait for God to catch up with their busy lifestyle. That's why many churches are empty nowadays. There's so much stuff going on on Sundays. But the Bible is clear about one thing. Psalm 46 verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Now some people, even when I say that, they get hesitant because I waited too long to say it quickly we're so used to going so quickly, but be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth if you can be still and know that He is God. We must take the time to be still so that we can truly know God and feel His touch. You know that Jesus never touched anything and left it the same. This simple touch sent streams of living water into that which was dead. If we take the time to let Him touch us and fill us back up. And then, Jesus spoke to the young man. He didn't speak to the death, He spoke to the young man. He didn't rebuke death, He didn't rebuke the sickness, He didn't rebuke the enemy, The truth is that sometimes we spend too much time rebuking the evil and the sickness and the trouble around us instead of just making a direct connection to God Himself and being infused with His strength to stand, with His peace to endure, and with His power to overcome. Jesus spoke directly to the man. I say to you, He said, thus giving him an immediate flow of living water to recharge and to fill every cell in His body. It is the living Word that brings life. It is the words of Jesus that we speak over our lives that empower us through the Holy Spirit that brings healing to us. It's more than just coming and listening to a sermon. It's you taking out your Bible, hoping it's not ripped up like mine here. Or maybe it is because you use it so much. But getting getting into the words of Jesus and letting Him speak directly to you. When He's speaking directly to you, that fills your spirit and maybe you don't even realize it. But there's life. These words have life and so it fills you back up so that you can continue to be involved in the lives of people around you. The living Word brings life. Jesus said, Arise through the sickness. Arise through your pain. Arise through your doubt and through your despair. When we are filled with this continual flow of the Holy Spirit, we can rise up and stand in the midst of anything. When we've been in a toxic environment for too long, not only do we become dried up, but we actually start to draw in the impure water from our environment. Water from any other place other than from God does not pack the punch in power and healing and strength that is, living water holds. In fact, many good-intentioned people fall into this trap of camping out by an impure water source, and they don't even realize the danger that they're incurring. What evolves from this exchange is the condition called codependency. It's where people only feel needed in places of crises because they live off the thanks and praises of others. But the praises of others did not contain living water. In essence, they're living off nothing more than recycled water that has lost all of its nutrients through wear and tear. The problem soon becomes that codependent people actually create their own crises so that they can feel needed, so they can live off the praise and thanks and pity of others. I'm a counselor. I understand, understand this. And it's, and, it's, and it's not because people are bad. It's because they're hurt and they're wounded and in their time of woundedness, someone came by to offer them human things, which is, which is still appreciative. But when we spend more time getting credit and thanks and pity from others, and we don't get the pure living water of God, we're not getting the best stuff. And so people sometimes, to feel needed, they'll create things around them and continue to live off of that. And God's saying, listen, I have all the answer for you. I have pure living water. Remember, Jesus said, whoever is thirsty, come to me and drink. You see, because when we rely on the praises and thanks and attention of others, we don't get that pure water. Just like drinking salt water will dehydrate you and even kill you if you take in too much, when we try to survive only by taking in the impure water around us, that water produces bondage and death. Jesus gave us the answer on how to defeat this problem. John 7:37 and 38. I'm going to say it again. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. It's great to have friends around us that pray for us and encourage us. We need that. But the thirst that really cleanses us is to come into Jesus and drink. He who believes in Me, Jesus goes on to say, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We must come only to Jesus when we thirst, for He has the only water that is filled with life. So Jesus, with that living water, speaks to this young man, and He says, Arise. Luke 7.15 So He who was dead sat up. And began to speak and he presented him to his mother he began to speak in fact he probably couldn't stop speaking about the wonders of Jesus the proof of the resurrection is when you are speaking about Jesus sharing what he has done in your life you become like that never-ending fountain I can't stop I can't shut up I can't stop talking with Jesus you don't understand I was down I was addicted I was depressed I was in despair and Jesus refreshed me and He opened the door. And now I can feel His presence. Now He's surrounded me with brothers and sisters who are like-minded like me and know we're not perfect, but I know that we're loved. The proof of His resurrection, how do you prove it to people? When you can't stop talking about Jesus in your life. If we are not speaking about Jesus to others, then is our spirit really resurrected? Or are we kind of in that environment where we, we need a fresh flow of His Spirit? Maybe you need a new touch from Jesus. A flow of living water to refresh every part of you so that if His goodness comes in, your thanks and your praise and your witness of Him flows out, creating that perfect balance, that dynamic equilibrium. Luke 7.16 Then fear Came upon all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. Holy fear, which is reverence and awe, holy fear precedes glory. Holy fear shakes us from contentment, shakes us from being in control. It puts us in a place where praising God is automatic. It just flows from us the people in this procession declared that a great prophet had risen up among them and that God had visited them only a personal God is spoken of in this way this way he has risen up amongst us if you look at what's happened in our church in the past couple years we've been through a pandemic a lot of churches didn't make it through the pandemic I don't know if you know that a lot of churches closed their doors A lot of churches shrunk down to very small numbers. And thank God for the faithful, but we've we've continued to grow. It's not because of me or anyone else. It's because of God. God's doing something here, and we're just being submitted to Him and allowing Him to bless us. And so as we continue to give Him thanks, God visits His people. It's out of a personal connection. God has risen up amongst us. Now this is something to talk about. Something to share. Luke 7.17 And this report about Him went throughout all of Judea and all the surrounding region. This report is the fact that the witness increased. Jesus didn't say, go tell me. They just couldn't help but tell Jesus. Tell about Jesus. The Word spread. His name went forth. His living waters continued to flow. Blessing everyone who was looking to be refreshed, heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, our wonderful and merciful Savior. We thank you that your actions were led by love and compassion for us. Lord God, we receive that love, we receive salvation. we receive that refreshing fill of your living water. the things that have kind of clogged us down, we shake those things out of us. We at the cross, we lay down our sins, our judgment, our all that gunk that gets in the way, our hurt. And at the cross, we pick up grace for the journey. We pick up healing and forgiveness. We we pick up power. We pray, God, as we continue to worship You and praise You and meditate on Your Word, that living water would flow through us and insulate around us. That as we get in the live people, we would be a blessing to them. Not a hindrance, but a blessing and an invitation to come to you, the source of all living water. Heavenly Father, we pray for our church, we pray for our village, our town, our area, our country, our world. We pray for more of you. We submit ourselves to you under your power and your love. We thank you to bless us, Lord God, as we continue to hold steadfast to the faith we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.